This is Mike Albert, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast. Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 35 for Monday, September 26th, 2011. Well, today I have a great interview for you, and that's with Mike Alber, a writer for Death Valley, most recently, and also someone who has just great stories about selling pitches, about writing with a writing partner, about writing across the distance and actually some really interesting stories about uh, about writing and selling yourself across the distance because despite being across the distance he's had a number of projects optioned pitches that were bought he's even gotten a staff job on Death Valley which is on MTV and he got that when he wasn't even living in LA now he'll tell you that uh, that it is still good to live in LA but you want to hear his stories you're gonna love that interview but first uh, a few news items. One of them is that um, I am looking for people or companies who would like to advertise on the podcast. And that's not just companies. That could even be yourself. Um, the advertising rates are very low. And these podcasts do get advertised at the Script Magazine website. They go out in Final Draft email blasts to uh, hundreds of thousands of Final Draft users. And so if you want to get your name out there, this might be a great way to do it. If you're interested in advertising on the podcast, or if you know of a company or person who could be interested, please send an email to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com. Be greatly appreciated. Uh, had a big server bill uh, to pay this week. And uh, for the moment, it came out of my pocket. I would love to get some of that pocket money back. But uh, another way that you can actually support is go to tvwriterpodcast.com. And among all the resources there, like the free uh, TV Writer Twitter database, there's also a store where you can buy a number of great writing books. And you should definitely stock your shelf. And anything actually that you buy at amazon.com, if you use the links from the site um, and all within that one session, then uh, a portion of that purchase can go to support the podcast as well. Straight donations are always appreciated. Um, and there's lots of other ways to take part. Uh, and you can find out more on the site about how to do that. Uh, make sure you do follow me on Twitter at Gray Jones is my handle. And you can find out about interviews that are coming. And speaking about uh, interviews that are coming, uh, I also want to mention that if you know any working TV writers, I would love it if you could ask them, tap their shoulder and say, would you like to come on the podcast? Um, it's a great way for them to get their name out there. And uh, if you could send an email to mail at tvwriterpodcast.com and hook us up, I'd greatly appreciate it. Always looking for new writers to come on the podcast. But speaking of new writers coming on the podcast, we have Mike Alber, and you're going to love his interview. Here we go. Enjoy. This is Gray, and I'm here with writer Mike Alber. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to be here. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and it's uh, it's so cool to connect with somebody through the TV writer chat and on Twitter, and then to talk with them on the podcast. Um, and uh, actually, I think that's that's how I first encountered you was on the TV writer chat. Yeah, I think so. I I, um, I started doing Twitter sort of seriously, I guess, 
you can call it that, um, just about uh, six months ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I found it a great tool for networking with, you know, other writers. Uh, you know, writing, even TV writing can be a, um, a lonely enterprise sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I think that Twitter is a, an amazing tool for connecting with people and building, you know, relationships. Mm -hmm. Very, very cool. Well, we'll get to the uh, present a little later, but first we're going to go way back to the past. And um, where, where did you grow up? Was it in Michigan? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in, uh, well, I was born in Grand Rapids, Michigan, on the west side of the state. And then I grew up in a farming community called uh, Sparta, Michigan. Mm -hmm. I was a proud Sparta Spartan. Uh -huh. <laughs> that's the uh, that's how original they were with their uh, <laughs> naming, the Sparta Spartans. Mm -hmm. So I grew up there, and I ended up, um, you know, I, I thought that when I was growing up, I would end up being... Uh, a doctor or uh, a lawyer or something like that, something stable mm -hmm. that was respectable. You know, being a, a writer didn't really seem like something that you could do. Mm. You know, it, it seemed like more of a, a hobby. And, um, and so that actually, uh, sort of colored my, my choices in college and then in, in graduate school because I never really thought that that writing for, I mean, in, in the Midwest, you know, writing for television, if you decide you want to do that, you're the only person that you know <laughs> that mm. is going to be doing that. Yeah. You know, or at least I was the only person I knew. And so um, it just, it seemed like a pipe dream. And so I decided I really wanted to be a doctor. Mm. Um, so I ended up going to the University of Michigan. I got a uh, Bachelor of Science degree in biology. Mm -hmm. um, you know, took all of the uh, the classes, took my MCAT, got into medical school, uh, went to medical school for half of a year, and then as soon as I got there, I realized, you know, this this is not for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, now you had been writing since high school with a writing partner. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my friend, uh, Gabe Snyder, uh, he was a couple years, uh, below me in school, but he and I were, um, together in a media productions class. We basically broadcasted the, um, the school news to, you know, through the, the closed circuit television, mm -hmm. um, system. And, uh, so we, we'd done some, some things with that. And then, we ended up writing a couple of, of short films. I mean, mostly just comedy stuff just for, for fun to use the equipment that we had at our disposal. Mm. Um, but we ended up, you know, we were good friends and, and we ended up, you know, really enjoying working together. And, and so even though I didn't think it was a serious enterprise, it, it was, uh, something I had fun doing. It was like writing screenplays sort of became a hobby for me. Mm. And so you, you continued doing that even across the distances in, in college. Um, where, where did Gabe go? Uh, Gabe went to NYU. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and he wasn't, uh, you know, NYU has a great, you know, the Tisch film school. Um, but he, he didn't, uh, do that either. He, he d ended up doing, I think, psychology and math or something, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, but what we would do is, you know, uh, on his first, uh, summer break there, he came to Ann Arbor where I was and, and we wrote our first full length screenplay together then. And then later on, um, as we decided that this is something we really like, um, we would write long distance. You know, we got, um, 
you know, like the cell phones with, you know, the plan where, you know, you can call somebody unlimited times and it's, you know, it's fine. Doesn't, doesn't hurt your bill at all. Mm. So we both, we both got cell phone plans like that. And we just ended up, uh, you know, we'd spend hours on the phone, you know, like outlining, hashing out story ideas, you know, but at that point it was just, you know, screenplay writing and it was really just for fun. Mm-hmm. And so there you hit a point where it became more than fun. Now, you, you had dropped out of medical school in 2003, right. and what, what happened then? <laughs> well, my parents were very disappointed. That's, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, yeah, my family had no idea what I was doing. I, all I knew was that I did not want to do medicine, and I wanted to do something creative. And so I ended up getting a master's degree in uh, creative writing from Eastern Michigan University, and that was fiction writing, actually. It wasn't even, it wasn't even screenwriting. But, um, uh, after I had left medical school, and that's such a, you know, like a regimented, you know, you study and you spend hours in the library and you go to labs. This sort of felt like a revelation, you know, that I could spend my time thinking about story and characters and, and building these worlds in my head and on the page. And, and that was sort of amazing. Um, so I, I really, um, I really loved that. I embraced that. And thankfully I was, uh, I was dating a woman who is now my wife who also let me embrace that. <laughs> um, and she was super supportive, uh, when, you know, I mean, you consider that when we started dating, she thought I was going to be a doctor. And then, you know, now I'm moved her halfway across, well, all the way across the country to, uh, to Los Angeles. So she's been very, uh, very very supportive of that. But, um, but yeah, so it just, the writing became something that I really loved doing and, you know, writing for film and television was the pinnacle of that. I mean, I love novels and books and, and, and short stories, but I mean, to get something on screen, to get, you know, actors to do, to perform my lines and to make my visions like happen, that seemed like the coolest possible thing that you could do. Mm. Um, and that really, that really spoke to me. So, uh, thankfully Gabe believed in us, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, one, one of the great things about having a writing partner, you know, you know, uh, obviously you're doing half the work sometimes, sometimes it feels like twice the work, but, um, but, the, but the best thing for me has been Gabe, uh, is constantly like pushed me forward and, and said like, this is something we can do. Writing for television isn't a pipe dream. Like we were led to believe all you have to do is have some talent, some perseverance, and then make your own opportunities. Hmm. And, and so, yeah, so that was, um, that's basically how it happened. He moved out here, uh, about five years ago out to LA and, um, and he, he was, he was all in, you know, he decided that he wanted to do this. And so he started, you know, waiting tables at a, at an upscale restaurant here. He did that four days a week. Uh, he was a, a personal assistant for a writer and then, and he was just saying, look, this is, this is going to happen, even though I was less convinced that it was a possibility. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I owe him a lot for that, actually. Yeah. So now you guys kept on writing, but you, you didn't move to LA until, uh, this year. So, so what right. happened? Uh, uh, where, where were you at that point? Uh, after Gabe moved out, I had, uh, I finished that, my MA from Eastern Michigan and then, uh, I still wasn't convinced that this was a thing that we could do full time. 
um, we were still writing together. We would write, you know, we would write screenplays, uh, sort of the same style we'd done all along, just long distance and emailing drafts and, uh, back and forth to each other, you know, mm-hmm. we would, the, the FDR files as they were at the time, like we just bounce back and forth to each other. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I wasn't still, I, I still wasn't convinced. It still seemed like something that I couldn't do. So I, I ended up getting another master's degree in MFA from Ohio State. Oh my goodness. Which is crazy. I was, uh, I, I became this perennial student. Thankfully, I wasn't paying for these degrees. They, uh, they, they had a stipend if you taught, uh, undergraduate English classes. Oh, okay. So that was how I was able to pull that off. <laughs> wow. Wow. So your MFA was, was in what? Uh, that was also in fiction writing. I mm-hmm. applied for a few screenwriting MFAs and I didn't get in. Um, probably rightfully so, you know, because everything I'd written, I'd written with a partner mm. and, you know, my, my skills and talent was still, you know, pretty raw at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd, I'd applied to, uh, you know, U- USC and UCLA and I, I didn't get in. And, um, and so Ohio State let me in for fiction writing. Um, probably because my fiction skills were a little bit more polished. And, uh, you know, I, I did that. And, you know, I think, um, you know, at that point, it was right when we started, right when I started the MFA was when our um, TV and film writing career started to actually have some positive momentum, you know, beyond just the decision of, yeah, this is something we want to do. It, it actually started moving a little bit and that's mm-hmm. you know due in no small part to Gabe actually being out in LA you know and you know trying to make things happen you know entering contests and joining writing groups and submitting our screenplays to like online um workshop sites like Trigger Street and, th- and Zoetrope and things like that mm-hmm. and uh, and because of that we had we'd entered a, a contest called uh, trackingbee.com which is a relatively small industry website that just follows the progress of of scripts and and people as they move around Hollywood and um it was the first time they'd done the contest i think it was the writer strike might have been going on at the time um and so we'd entered this contest with uh with a feature that we uh called jailbait mm-hmm. which which was uh a comedy about guys who start dating female inmates uh, <laughs> <laughs> at a prison and all the shenanigans that ensues from that. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and we, we didn't end up winning, but we, we got honorable mention and, and that got us some interest from the people that were reading the site, you know, the producers and managers. And we got, you know, a dozen, 15, maybe requests for the script hmm. from, from people in the business, which was really so surprising to us because yeah we'd entered you know scriptapalooza uh, you know zoetrope has a contest we've we'd entered a few contests that we'd gotten quarterfinalist or semifinalist in but nothing that had actually got us any kind of interest and from this interest we we met with uh, Tyler Bame who is the uh, creative executive at a little production company called Sobini Films mm-hmm. 
And, uh, and that became our first option. We developed it with them for a couple of months and they really liked it and they wanted to go out with it. And so, you know, we got ourselves a, uh, an entertainment lawyer, uh, and we, and we, we had our first option. Wow. Uh, which was pretty magical, you know? I mean, that's how it's supposed to work, but I, I feel rarely does sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So, so you guys must have been very encouraged. Yeah, yeah, I can remember uh, flying out because I was still living, I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, starting my MFA, and I can remember flying out to, uh, to LA and just being so nervous, you know, on the flight, you know, <laughs> sitting in, sitting in their office building, uh, the waiting room, they, they have uh, office space at Lionsgate, so it was even like a bigger thing, you know, it felt like this is a real thing. This is something mm -hmm. that we could actually do. Um, so we were very excited, but, uh, but Tyler ended up being really cool and a great guy to work with a, a great first, you know, creative executive to mm. work with, um, because he was so supportive, uh, of us as writers. And, you know, he knew that we didn't have much experience, but, um, as a writer himself, you know, he was able to, to help us sort of navigate this new world that we were in. Very cool. And yeah. then after that, you sold a pitch, a TV pitch to Spike TV. Tell me about that. Yeah. So this was our first foray into television. What happened was Tyler at Sobini had a friend at Comedy Central. Uh, he sent the script over. The guy asked if we had any TV ideas. Uh, we sent a few over. We wrote up some treatments. And none of them were right for Comedy Central, but but they sent the ideas over to Spike TV, which they share they share uh, office space there. Mm -hmm. or they, they did at one point. And Spike read the ideas and really loved the treatments that we'd written, but asked us, you know, these aren't exactly the ideas for us, but what else do you have? So we came up with an idea, you know, Gabe and I are both from the Midwest. We're both from, you know, Michigan and a lot of, of our families are tied to the auto industry, you mm. know, like that's sort of, sort of a thing in Michigan, yeah. you know? And so, um, we had this idea for a workplace comedy, uh, set at a used car lot, you know, this, one of these industries that's sort of dying, you know, and cash for clunkers was going on at the time. And it seemed like it was in the zeitgeist, if you will. And so we pitched them this idea and, and they bought it. And this is with, you know, our only writing sample that we had was, was that, or our only sort of semi-professional writing sample was that, uh, was that jailbait script. Wow. And so they were, you know, very, very generous in, you know, finding an idea to work with us on one and then two once we came up with that idea agreeing that yeah these guys can make this happen so that was um that was a bit of serendipity there but it was very uh again i, th I think we've just run into really great people you know you hear that Hollywood is full of, of sharks and everyone's looking to to take advantage of you or at least that's the fear mm -hmm. but you know, that, I mean, so far, at least that has not been our experience. You know, we've run into 99% great people that are just interested in finding good stories that they can, um, you know, make something happen with. So, yeah. well, you know, I mean, that, that brings up an interesting point because it's, it's funny. I, I really think that it is mostly about fear. And, and it's not that there aren't the, the, the scary people. Right. But my my experience is that every single where I look, every single person I meet or that I talk to is so incredibly 
helpful and friendly and um right. and and ultimately it makes sense because they don't know that you're not going to be the next um you know insert big name right um, and so it, everybody that i've met at least sort of has the attitude well you know you could be somebody sometime soon so i'm going to be nice to you sure but i i think what happens is that you don't get connected to those people and right. then Hollywood is just a scary place. Right. <laughs> it is, it, you know, from a couple of guys coming from, you know, West Michigan, I mean, we had zero contacts. And so mm -hmm. that, that was frightening, you know. I think that's ultimately why we started with the, uh, the contest approach because you don't have to know anybody. You just have to have $50, you know. Yeah you know, that approach can get pricey, but I mean, that, that's certain, I mean, that's how we started. I mean, that's how we met the people that we've, that we've met, you know, and, and I think that what we've done is, um, every person that we've met, we've tried to be as fun to work with as agreeable. We've tried to take notes in a positive way and see them for what they are. We've tried to treat people with respect. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's important. And I think it's unfortunately something that, that writers don't always do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and just in doing that, everyone we've met has led us to another person or another few people. And, and that's how we've slowly started to build our, our network out is just, you know, the, you know, Tyler at Sobini knows, you know, Tony at, at, uh, at comedy central who knows Dustin at spike. And, you know, that kind of network just builds on itself. If you're a good person, if you're fun to work with, and if you've got, you know, enough talent to make your ideas happen. Mm hmm. Well, and uh, and that explains also um, you you did other projects with Spike. But before that, uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Men in Uniform and, and what happened from that. Yeah. So we had had a little bit of success with the TV, like we'd sold our first pilot, which was super encouraging. We, though, were still really interested in, in feature writing and, you know, hadn't really gotten out of that mentality of doing uh, a contest yet. So, and since we had luck with that, um, that tracking B contest, we'd, we'd written another feature script, uh, which we called Men in Uniform, which was sort of a play on words. It was about a, a group of high school kids who wore their like Star Trek uniforms oh, to no. school. <laughs> so it's sort of, the movie was kind of super bad at a sci-fi convention. You uh -huh. know, they were, they were looking for, you know, this this actress, you know, sort of a, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type girl who, you know, one of them was desperately in love with. And they sort of followed her around this Comic-Con kind of place. And anyway, it um, it uh, we we'd written that script as sort of I mean, it wasn't sci fi based. It was definitely comedy, but it had that sci fi slant to it. And, um, we entered it in the contest and this time, you know, we didn't, we didn't win. We didn't get honorable mention. We didn't place, but, um, but one of the, um, one of the people that runs the contest, um, during the, a judge's dinner, I, I guess I, I I've heard this story third hand. So I, I think what happened was during a judge's dinner, one of the, um, one of the judges was talking about uh, a project that he was working on, um, which was a, a web series, and it was a sort of a sci-fi fanboy web series. Mm. And 
and somebody had read our script and said, oh, well, they didn't place, but this script is really funny. It's called Men in Uniform, and, and they gave it to this guy, Russ, at um, at Divide Pictures, and, and Russ read it and, and sent us an email and said, hey, guys, I read this script. We're doing a web series uh, with MSN. Are you guys interested in, in writing some episodes? So that yeah, so again we made entered that contest, and even though we didn't win, we sort of made another contact in wow. the industry. Very um, very cool. Yeah, and and so was it uh, was it after that web series or through that web series that you you signed with Abstract Entertainment for management? Yeah yeah absolutely. What happened was we were we were writing that web series with um, it was called uh, Ultra Dome. We were writing it was kind of a a live action um, celebrity death match, but it had you know like all the superheroes and supernatural characters. Uh-huh. You know like the two geeks like have an argument over who would win in a fight. You know um, uh-huh. uh, the Incredible Hulk or Wolverine. You know, and and so it's a comedy thing, but it also like the these geeks would have this argument, and then magically they would be transported to the Ultradome, where given the powers of whoever they were arguing for, they would battle to the death. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it was this. It was a silly thing, but it was it was a lot of fun to write, and and Russ was great to work with, and and one day um, we just got an email from Russ after we'd turned in some scripts, and he said, guys. This is Mike and Josh of Abstract Entertainment. And like we looked and yeah, sure enough, he'd CC'd two other people on the email. Mm-hmm. And um, they're up and coming managers and you're an up and coming writers. You guys should uh, meet up for some coffee. So, you know, that's um, that's how we met our management team. Wow. And at the time they were called Abstract Entertainment. Uh, but since then, they uh, have now been, they've joined uh, a New Wave Entertainment, which is a much bigger management and production company. And uh, so now we're with uh, the same guys, same managers, but with uh, New Wave Entertainment. Very cool. And yeah. uh, and so um, after that, you sold a second comedy, uh, comedy to Spike TV. And tell me about that one. Yeah. Um <laughs> What again? I think what happens is if you can execute. I, I mean, at least you know this is my my small viewpoint because like I've only had so much experience. But what it seems to me happens is if you can execute your ideas in a way like quickly and and you can be positive when the, you get the notes. Like even if a project doesn't go through, like eventually that that Carlot project fell through because you know. Uh, whatever reason, whatever number of reasons projects don't end up getting greenlit, Spike still liked working with us and we'd sort of developed a relationship. And so they said, look, guys, we've had this idea to do a military themed uh, project for a while. Uh, what ideas do you have? So we pitched them an idea which we called uh, At Ease, which was about basically it was a stripes esque comedy as mm. uh, if if Bill Murray had graduated from basic training and then become a drill instructor. Um, oh that that's sort of what it was. He was now like you know sort of the inmates were running the asylum at this specific. Uh, uh, army training base uh-huh. and and so you know it was a very uh, it was a fun project to work on and and you know i mean with comedy uh, it's it's difficult to get into themes like military themes you know you don't want to treat war and that kind of thing lightly mm. you know you don't want to come off as disrespectful and so we felt that you know to do a military themed project it's best to keep it at the um it's best to keep it at the training base, and that's what Spike had had thought as well. Mm. So, 
so we just came up with some fun characters and, and we pitched them this idea and they like our take on it. So they, um, so they bought that project from us. Great. Yeah. Great. And, uh, and so, um, then came some representation, which, uh, it, it, you'd already been working for quite a while and sold a number of things. So, so tell me about that process and what that represented to you guys. Yeah, well, at the time, our managers were still abstract entertainment, and they were much stronger in feature writing than they were in, in television writing. And so they they said to us, look, guys, we we uh, love you. We want to help you out. But I think, you know, it's going to be best if we had a partner to help you, you know, explore the, the TV world a little bit more fully. And so they had a relationship with Melissa Orton at uh, APA, and she was a relatively new agent there and TV agent, but very, you know, up and coming, very much uh, a hustler, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I think that's actually really important um, when you're a new writer. You don't want an agent that is so high on the totem pole. You don't want like Ari Emanuel, you know, uh. because – that guy doesn't have to return your phone calls because yeah. he's working on million dollar deals. And, you know, I mean, Spike's been very generous with us, but it wasn't million dollar deals that we were getting for these shows. Yeah. And so we, we met with her and she was very positive about the work that we'd done. And, and, and I think too, agents are always interested in, in, clients that can market themselves and can prove that they can, they can get work on their own, hmm. you know? Makes sense. Um, you know, an agent is, you know, obviously there to help you with your career, like as a writer, but you can imagine that as an agent, you would much rather have the client who's willing to, to work hard and to be out there on their own, to do their own networking, you know, and to not just sit back. I mean, you hear these stories about new writers who get their first representation, like they've written one or two scripts, and then they just sort of sit back and they say, okay, you know, now time for the, the Brinks truck to back up to the house, you know? And, and I just don't, I mean, at least for me, that's not how it's been, so... Um, we were very, uh, we were very lucky to sign with, uh, Melissa and she's been amazing for us. A very hard worker, like, you know, out there, um, hitting the, uh, hitting the pavement and, uh, and getting our faces and, and names in front of people, getting our scripts in front of people. So that's been great. Mm -hmm. So, so what, what, uh, physically happened? Like, did you, did you then take a lot of meetings or yeah, you teamed up with yeah. six point harness? How, how did that happen? Well, Melissa had a relationship with with Six Point Harness is basically what happened, and and we did. We took a ton of meetings. I flew. I was still in Columbus. Uh -huh. I I flew out uh, for I think it was a week and a half. It may you know it may have been yeah it was it was a week and a half, and I think during those ten days or. or six or seven business days, we took 17 or 18 meetings. Wow. Um, so that was a very chock full schedule. And that was all due to the fact that I didn't live in LA. Hmm. And so all these meetings were jammed in there. So we met with production companies. We met with people at, uh, at studios and networks. You know, we met, you know, anybody that showed any interest in the writing samples that we've been working on and the projects that, you know, the scripts that we've done for Spike, anybody that had any interest in us as writers, Melissa got us in front of. And, um, and that was really, uh, that was really great. And, and, you know, obviously Roar was setting up meetings for us at the same time. So it was, it was, it was cool the way it kind of, uh, the way it kind of worked there. You know, I just said Roar, which is, <laughs> which is probably going to be confusing, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I can clarify basically, um, 
our uh, our managers were at Abstract, and then Abstract got bought by Roar Entertainment, mm. and they were there for a year, and then our managers left Roar to go to New Wave. Oh, okay. Um, so that's a little bit confusing. I don't know if you want to edit that out. Or whatever, oh, no, no, no. It, you know, it, actually, that's helpful, too, because um, it it's helpful to people to know that um, in the industry that uh, it's often about the people. It's, it's like it, it, people say, like, wouldn't you love to be with UTA? Well, if the people that have gotten you where you are are not at UTA, then maybe you don't want to be there. Absolutely. I mean, APA is certainly not, you know, the biggest agency. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's an upper mid-level agency. Uh, I don't know what size rank it is, but um, but right now at this point in my career, I mean, I wouldn't rather be anywhere else because, you know, the our agent uh, has been amazing for us. Like she returns phone calls, she returns emails, she will, you know, she plays us straight, you know, she doesn't she's not going to sugarcoat things for us. And that's really important to us, you know, um, and the same thing with new wave. They're very, um, those people that we've come up with, you know, and have like helped develop us as writers have been really instrumental in, in getting us to where, where we've, where we are. Mm-hmm. Well, so tell me about, um, what happened with six point harness. Cause it, cause that's an animation company. So, so, mm-hmm. um, what uh, did you do with them? Uh, Six Point Harness was, like I said, it was a company that Melissa had a relationship with, and she got us in front of them. We hadn't thought about doing animation before, but Gabe and I are both big fans of, you know, Simpsons and Family Guy, Futurama, and the Boondocks, and, you know, lots of these animation programs that are doing cool things like we were fans of. We just hadn't thought about writing for animation. And so when we got in front of Six Point, we sort of pitched them a couple of ideas that we had, um, you know, just sort of soft pitched it, just, you know, one liners. And they ended up, you know, they really responded to some of them. And, and we ended up coming up with an idea or, or Gabe actually had this idea while he was in jury duty. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> we knew that what we wanted to do was something that was funny, but that was sort of an action comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and animation uh, seemed the perfect venue because you can do violent things in, and it's more acceptable. It's not so visceral. It doesn't, you don't have the same reaction as a viewer. And so, um, a place like Comedy Central or, um, FX or Adult Swim or Spike can do those kinds of shows now. And so we pitched them an animated Western, which was this super violent kind of thing, sort of like, all of the all of the topicality uh, of a show like um, uh, Deadwood, like mm-hmm. all that kind of you know the the racism and the sexism and the opium use and the you know all of that stuff that was the American West, um, we had this idea for to sort of satirize that um, and to make it into this uh, animated show. So. Um, they loved that. Uh, Six Point Harness came up with some, some character sketches and some designs. They did, they didn't do a full animatic, but they did, um, like a couple of cells from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we brought those with us. We brought a representative from Six Point with us when we were pitching to Spike TV and FX and Comedy Central and, and G4. And that was really helpful in selling that pitch. And we ended up selling again to Spike TV, oh, wow. um, which was, you know, sort of crazy that we were kind of this incestuous little Spike TV uh, uh, family. But um, oh, hey, if it works. Yeah, exactly. 
and uh, we sold them a, that project and uh, it ended up being really fun to work on. And, and I think still to this day, even though Spike finally did end up passing on it, it's still to this day, I think one of the my favorite projects that we've worked on because, hmm. you know, animation is just so fun. You know, yeah. you can do anything. <laughs> Very, you know? Very cool. Yeah. Now, um, you then got your first staff gig. Tell me about that. My daughter had just been born, uh, my first kid, and she was, I think, two weeks old when when uh, our agent called us up and said, guys, there's a, a staff writing position on a new show that MTV just picked up called Death Valley. It's this horror comedy. They've read your pilot that you'd sold to, to Spike, that, that at ease military thing. They love it. They want you to come in and do an interview. And I said, my daughter was just born. I can't, I can't go now. Um, and my daughter was actually in the hospital at the time because she wow. was born early. And so they needed to do, you know, she was in the intensive care unit. And, and so she talked to the showrunner, uh, and the producers, uh, Eric Weinberg and the producers, which, uh, the guys at Liquid Theory and, and they agreed to let me do the interview over the phone while Gabe was there in person. Wow. Yeah. So that was unheard of. <laughs> wow. Um, and so Gabe, uh, Gabe was there in person. I was doing the phone interview literally from the waiting room of the hospital in Columbus, Ohio. My goodness. <laughs> and we just, we just clicked with them. I mean, they, they responded to, to our, our writing style and our sort of style of comedy. And, and we really enjoyed the pilot that we'd read of, of Death Valley. I mean, it was very sort of, aggressive kind of um sort of like what i was saying with that uh that western that animated western like they were willing to do crazy violent stuff mixed in with the comedy because you know these are monsters that they're attacking not regular people hmm. you know and so the you know the show is basically uh for those who don't know it it follows the undead task force which is a branch of the LAPD and um they're in charge of containing this outbreak of zombies vampires and werewolves you know they're they're sort of in charge of containing it just to the san fernando valley hence, <laughs> hence death valley i mean that's uh -huh. the, uh, the idea there and so it's this comedy it's sort of it's a it's a faux you know like a mockumentary kind of faux documentary thing and uh, it was very fun and and just thankfully the the interview the staffing interview went really well um you know, Gabe likes to tell me that he was glad I wasn't there because um, I would have just screwed it up for us. Uh -huh. so, but yeah, it, it went it went very well, and they they responded to us. And I think also as a writing team, you know, especially for comedy, but but for any writing team, you know, you're attractive to showrunners and producers because they can pay you as if you're one person, but they yeah. actually get two people out of it. So. In a writer's room, I think there's some value to that. Mm -hmm. And now you were not living in L.A. And so how do you, how on earth did you do a staff job when you weren't there? Yeah, so we ended up getting the job. My daughter was three weeks old. She got home from the hospital. I talked to my wife and said, look, I can't not do this. If, mm -hmm. if there's any possible way of doing this, I have to take my first staff job because they just don't grow on trees. And, you know, as I said, she has been just miraculously supportive. And so she said, you do what you have to do. So, she was on maternity leave, so she went to stay with her parents with uh, with our daughter, and I flew out to L.A. Uh, thankfully, Gabe has a uh, a spare bed, 
and a spare bedroom and so i i just slept there for the uh for the duration of our of our gig on death valley wow and and you've actually got an episode coming up episode 106 uh, yeah. airs on october 3rd in the u.s um and i think in in canada it's carried by much music yeah, it's it's MTV, it's it's MTV in the states on Monday nights at ten thirty uh, Eastern, but in in Canada it's on Much Music, and I want to say it's on Tuesdays, but I don't know that for a fact. Hmm. Uh, um, anyway, just check check the schedule. Um, but October third, very cool. Yeah, we're very excited. Yeah, neat neat stuff. And so while you were sleeping on the couch, were you thinking, <laughs> uh, "I got to move to LA," or or what? <laughs> What was that happening? Yeah, there? I mean, it sort of becomes clear that if you really want to have a job as a TV writer, you just can't do it from anywhere else. I mean, I had had these ideas in my head that what would happen is we would sell a big feature or we would get an extended staffing job. And the job on Death Valley was was great, but it was only a couple months long. Hmm. And I had thought that maybe magically we would get a staffing job that would be, you know, 40 weeks or, you know, most of a year anyways, or we'd sell a feature and it would be enough money to sort of move us out and we could live on for a year. But but the truth of it is for us that what we needed to do was just decide that we had to be here. And, um, you know, so my wife uh, is a teacher. She got a job out here. And once she got that job, we just said, this is it. We're moving. So we just finally came out here in, in July, finally got a place. And um, yeah, so we're 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 here now full time. And, and, and I got to tell you, you know, if there's if there's listeners out there that think that, um, you know, that, that there's a way to do television writing from someplace else, you know, like. I have been the luckiest person possible <laughs> in, in terms of, you know, like I had a, a writing partner who was living in L.A. who magically didn't stop wanting to be my writing partner because I wasn't there. Uh -huh. You know, like I was able to do an interview over the phone. We got a staffing gig sight unseen sort of. Wow. Um, and and still, I don't think it's possible to do it. Yeah. Um, not for any length of time anyways. And uh, yeah, so I think it was just one of those things where – we had to sort of decide, my wife and I, that this is something that we needed to do, and and um, and we moved out. Wow, very very cool, and and great. You have a wife who's so supportive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I've been very uh, been very lucky with her. Actually, that's uh, that's another thing that you know, uh, it's difficult sometimes. I think with people's real lives and family and other commitments but if you want to uh, write for tv i think you have to uh i think you got to come out to uh, the left coast uh-huh yeah cool and so since then you've you've been busy um sold another pitch to mtv you've been pitching other ideas around um but uh now that you're in la um what's what's your goal what's happening uh, what do you think is uh coming well, um, we've had, yeah, like you, like you said, we've, we've had some success. We sold another pitch. It's an, also an animated pitch. We, um, we've been pitching around, you know, during this sort of network pitch season, uh, ideas to the, to the broadcast networks. We've been, you know, working hard. We just finished a, a feature. We've got that in development with, uh, Vince Vaughn's production company. Like we've been doing a lot on all fronts. I mean, I think our policy has sort of been the busier you can keep yourselves, the better, because at this point, I think at any given time, we have between eight and 10 projects we're working on. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's important because 
it just becomes evident that projects can die for no reason or mm. or at the drop of a hat. There's always a reason. It's just what the reason is, is usually out of your control as a writer. Yeah. And so we try to work on as many projects as possible. I mean, the, the dream, of course, is to to sell a, a pitch that that the a network falls in love with and they end up, you know, going to series on it and we end up being, you know, co-executive producers and 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 making that happen. I mean, that's the that's the dream and I you know, I I think it's I think it definitely is possible. It's just, you know, it's a numbers game at some point, you mm. know. Uh, you've got to get enough swings at the uh, at the ball before you can hit the home run. So we've just been working hard to develop a lot of ideas. You you can't fall in love with any idea too much because you know who knows uh, if that's not going to be the idea for a network or they're going to love it for one minute and then fall out of love with it. It's a lot of things that can happen. So we've just tried to be idea machines, just generating new concepts, new ideas for TV and, uh, and films. So, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the dream is to have the, have our own show at some point, but um, mm. you know, when that's going to happen, I could not tell you. Well, you know, and it, and it does, um, I mean, just hearing you, it's, it seems like you guys have generated a lot, a lot, a lot of ideas. And even when you were in these situations and they said, what else have you got? You had other things. Right. And so, so tell me a little bit about that. Like, like over the, you, obviously you've worked with Gabe for years and years and years now. Right. Um, but, uh, where, where do you guys get your ideas from? What kind of time do you spend? spitballing and 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 what what's your process like in that in that sense i mean depending on where we are uh, at any given week we have tried to spend one day a week at least an hour or two that day generating ideas and and gabe honestly gabe is better at this than i am just sort of pulling ideas from the ether but i think it's important to spend time coming up with the the material that's going to feed your career down the road. You know, maybe you come up with a, a one line for something or just like a, a scrap of an idea. You put it down in, in an idea file somewhere and, and you leave it there. And then at some point, oh, yeah, I had this idea for a show about a robot maid. And somebody's looking for a show about robotic, like, you know, house cleaners. Maybe we could do something. You know, I, I think it's important to continually be coming up with new ideas and mm. to not and to not fall in love too much with any one thing you know uh, i don't remember who said it and i'm gonna butcher the quote here but something about you know you got to kill your darlings like when you're editing prose it's the same thing you can't fall in love with any one idea because it's just you know they're so fleeting mm. and so just just to be clear that's that's even when you're going full tilt on a feature you're still taking time out to generate new ideas absolutely and and when you're not generating new ideas actively i think it's important to be reading i think you need to read you know blogs and and newspapers magazines other scripts i think you need to be watching television lots of television i watch so much television it is insane hmm. And, uh, and movies and taking in, because what ends up happening, I think, uh, at least for me, is you, I'll come up with ideas or I'll spend a, a few days just generating ideas. And eventually my, it feels like the barrel is empty, you mm -hmm. know, like my well has run dry. And what 
happens, I find, is that if I then start consuming other material, thinking about other things, unrelated things, you know, like living life, you know, talking to people, being, you know, doing those other things that you need to do to to be a good conversationalist in, you know, for meetings, to be a good person, you know, those things, uh, I think, help to replenish your supply of ideas, you know, mm. you know, because you never know what's gonna, where it's going to come from. It might be like a uh, an article from, you know, The Economist. It, I mean, Gabe came up with a great idea for a television show based off of like an anecdote he heard about David Bowie. <laughs> mm. I think it's while you're generating new ideas, while you're working on your projects, you need to also be absorbing other work as well and to not just be this, not just try to keep digging at the same dry well. You need to replenish that also. Mm. Well, and, and so, something I'm curious about is um, you had actually sold quite a few um, ideas and, and projects. You had things optioned and, and, and had pitches sold. But uh, along the way, how did you develop the craft? I think there was a few different ways. Uh, and I think that, that writers are, would be well advised to, to sort of approach it in a couple of ways. One is you just have to read a lot of pilots. Mm-hmm. Watch television and read pilots. I mean, I think there's no better way to understand the craft than to read a pilot or a script that was written by someone that totally knows what they're doing and is totally in control of their art, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know that the TV writer chat, uh, and I know that you specifically have set up a great resource of just full of pilots that people can can read, scripts that people can download and read. And and that kind of stuff is invaluable. I mean, mm-hmm. you can read as, as many books as you want. And there's been great books. I mean, Chad Gervich's Small Screen Big Picture oh, yeah. and, you know, Ellen Sandler's TV writer's uh, workbook thinking inside the box. There's lots of great books out there that can help you. But I think that the only way to really learn is to read someone doing it well and then to write lots and lots of material yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I honestly, I, I, I get embarrassed sometimes when I realize, boy, I had 20 minutes there. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes is all it takes to read a half hour TV script. Absolutely. Like 40, you got 45 minutes that you, you spent, uh, doing what? You could have just <laughs> read a TV pilot right there. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you what I've done, um, just to help me be more on top of that. My, my, again, magical wife gave me an, an iPad mm-hmm. for, uh, for my first Father's Day. And I've loaded that thing with, with pilots that I haven't read. And when I have a free moment, I just get it out and like leaf through. It's super easy to go through a PDF on that. It's very quick. It's, and you know, you can stand in line. You're waiting in your car for someone to come out. You're, you know, whatever it is sitting on the couch. I mean, there's time to read these things. And I think Mm -hmm. that people make more excuses for why they haven't than, um, and I've been guilty of that too, but I just think that if you really want to get better, that's the that's one of the things you have to do. Hmm. Yeah, and and by the way, yeah, you can get links to all those things at tvwriterpodcast.com. Um, that script archive uh, that Mike's talking about is the Lee Thompson script archive. If you go to the resource links, there's one for scripts. Look for the Lee Thompson script archive. There are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of produced and unproduced pilots, which are also quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and so 
um, all of that is great advice. Um, any other advice to people who who want to break in? Uh, either, I mean, we, we talked about a few things. That, number one, you said move to L.A., get a job in L.A., especially if you don't have a magical writing partner who's living there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming not everyone can have that. Yeah. Um, but but any, anything else you've learned that could be helpful to people who are who are wanting to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things and the thing that surprises me the most is when we first started, you know, selling projects and, and talking to our first contacts in the business, you know, how often we heard something along the lines of like, wow, you guys are really easy to talk to and fun and, you know, and, and nice. And it, in a way that leads you to believe that's just not true of everybody. Mm. I think that the, it is so important to be able to go into any meeting, a notes meeting, a general, you know, an interview with a showrunner. I think it's so important to be able to go into those meetings and to, you know, to be confident, to sell yourself, to be, a, you know, a, an agreeable person. I mean, I'm, writing is obviously like a very lonely thing when you're actually doing the writing itself. But... That doesn't mean that you have to be a hermit, mm. you know. It is such a business built on who you know that I think people people let that daunt them, you know, sometimes because it, it does seem scary. Like, I don't know anybody. Uh, I'm, I mean, that's true. But if you're a good person and a nice person and, and um, easy to talk to, then <laughs> you're, you're going to meet people, especially if you live in L.A. Eventually, you're going to meet people. And the, the better you are to talk to, the more likely those people are going to want to work with you. I mean, it is absolutely true that you have to be good at what you do to, to continually work. But, I mean, given the choice between being an amazing writer and being, you know, to, to well, look at it from the showrunner's point of view. You know, given the choice between hiring a guy who's going to come in with, like, amazing scripts but might not be so good in the room – versus someone who's going to contribute and be and be fun and pleasant to be around during those weeks on end that you're just staring at each other across <laughs> the table. I mean, if the second guy had any ability at all to come in with a script on time, I think I'd go with that guy. Yeah. So, you know, it's just surprising to me that that people don't put enough emphasis on on that aspect of it and it's mm. just I mean, it's part of networking and you know like i think that term gets thrown around a lot networking just means you know not being afraid to talk to people and and when you do talk to people like being a good a good guy being a salesperson for yourself mm. very very good advice well we're uh, we're coming to the end of our time here um i do want to thank you so much for uh, for taking part and uh, definitely, I urge everybody to check out Mike's episode uh, on MTV or Much Music, October third or thereabouts. If Canadians do check your listings, it, um, I th I think you're right that it might be Tuesday, but uh, but yeah. definitely check that. Yeah, please do, please do. The show is uh, so fun to work on, and I think um, you know, I think a lot of if you like Zombie Land, if you like Shaun of the Dead, that kind of thing, this is uh, going to be right up your alley. Yeah, Death Valley. Watch for it. Cool. Well, uh, well, see you on TV Writer Chat on Sunday nights and uh, and on Twitter. Absolutely. If you want to follow me, uh, I'm happy to uh, to chat with any listeners, answer questions. Uh, I'm M Elber A L B E R on Twitter. So please do. Great. Well, thanks so much, Mike, and best of luck to you. Thank you. It was great to be here. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. 
Hosted by Gray Jones, the TV Writer Podcast is brought to you by Script Magazine and ScriptMag.com, the leading source for script writing information in print and on the web. And by Final Draft Script Writing Software, the entertainment industry standard for script writing worldwide. <laughs>